Good morning, church. This is wonderful to be with you today. This wonderful fall day. Finally, fall finally feels fall. There's a six in front of the digits of our temperature. I'm so grateful for that. I was I was thinking this morning as we were talking in first service that aren't we grateful that we have a God of rhythm and season? I mean, it just matters to us. And I was thinking about that. You know, that's what this is on Sunday morning too. Don't don't miss the fact that this is part of the rhythm of our lives. It's not oh we go to church because we're supposed to, and I know we. We may feel that at any given time. But, you know, the early followers of Jesus made a very intentional decision to move the collective gathering time of the people of God from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, because they were convinced, and Scripture tells us this is the case, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ literally remade the world. It is the beginning of God's new creation started in Christ first fruits, the Bible says, of all that he's going to do for the whole universe. And so it is kind of cool to come here on a Sunday, and what we're doing is we're stepping into that rhythm. We're opening ourselves up to the resurrection, new creation power of God to then propel us into our week and the mission of God, whether that's being a student or uh, in the workplace or in our families or whatever the case may be. So I just want to say thank you for choosing to make part of the rhythm of your life to be with us. Uh, And it is a delight because I love you, that you are such a central part of the rhythm of my life. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I meant to say this sooner too, by the way, I, I, as I slide this table up. I'm so, I love when people use their gifts for the kingdom of God. I want to take just a moment to thank my buddy Brent, who won't want this. But um, I, a while back, of all things, I saw um, at Breakaway, this guy had a cool table. And I'm like, this is bigger than this Herculean thing I've had. And, and I told Kyler, man, I'd love to have like a smaller table that I can actually move around or whatever. And then he found out the one at Breakaway was made, so he couldn't like Amazon it. Well, we have a person in our church who's part of his many spiritual gifts is make stuff for the glory of God. Brent Bomoski, I want to thank you for making this. Again, he's cheapish, but thank you so much for making this table for us. Beautiful, isn't it? I mean, it's simple, but it's beautiful. Beautiful wood. You know what's cool, though? I didn't know this. I've been preaching on it for the last couple of weeks. He inscribed a Bible verse under it. And come up and look at it. Anybody guess what it is? My wife guessed what it is. You guess what it is? You hear it every week. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. So beautiful. Psalm 1914. Thank you, man. I love you, brother. And this means a lot to me. It really does. Those personal things, man. It's not just about singing, preaching, or whatever. It's whatever your gift is to the kingdom of God. I love it. We, uh, we started a couple weeks ago a series on the Holy Spirit. I just love exploring this incredible gift that God has given us. Started, we're really focusing just on the book of John. We're just saying, what did Jesus himself say about Holy Spirit in the book of John? That's where we're focusing the whole thing. And so a couple weeks ago, we saw in John chapter 3, Jesus give us this image The Holy Spirit, same word for spirit, is also breath or wind, the very breath of God. And just like the wind, there is mystery to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, we're we're not going to nail this down. We're not going to figure it out. This isn't about analyzing Holy Spirit. It's about embracing the wonder and the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we saw Jesus teaching in John 7 about this beautiful image of the Holy Spirit, like the spring of water, living water that wells up from the inner core of our being. So that the promise is we can actually live our lives in the zone and the flow of God, just like a great athlete or a great musician can live in the flow of what their giftedness is. And so that's, that's where we've been. We're going to pick it up in John chapter 14, 
in this section, where we really will spend most of the rest of the time on this series in this section, uh, towards the end of John 13, if you like to just kind of read and just uh, hang out where we're going to be for the next several weeks, the end of chapter 13 all the way through the end of chapter 16 is known as the farewell discourse. It's Jesus' goodbye speech the day before he dies to his disciples. And one of the major themes of that conversation is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. So we're going to spend a lot of time in that. So if you have your Bibles and devices, we are reading in John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. We're going to go through 23. So if you do please stand out of respect for God. Just a simple practice that we do, just to say thank you for God being a God of revelation to us. And you see the words on the screen, when I finish reading, uh, I will say that first part, and, and we're just going to voice our gratitude to our God for speaking to us. It's the Gospel of the Lord, John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I told several friends around, my, our daughter got us hooked on a show. It's been out for 10 seasons, so I, I don't know how I didn't see it, but it's a show called Alone. I don't know if you've seen this before. True reality show. Most reality shows aren't real. This one has a lot of reality to it because what they do is they take 10 different contestants, drop them off literally in the middle of the wilderness. And they are alone. The last one standing, so to speak, the last one that doesn't tap out, uh, gets $500,000. I think it ought to be a million. That's just me. But anyway, so they, they make some money for, for lasting. And, and again, they're in these remote places, um, and they're their own camera people, too. So there's literally nobody there. In these other ones, there's a camera crew where no, nobody there. And they're, they're thrown out there. They've got to find food. They've got to um, get water and, and you know, boil the water, do all that kind of stuff, make fire. They've got to do all of that, and they've got to make shelter. Here's an image of one of them. There's, everybody goes there, and they'll do different things to kind of make their shelter. They've got to cut the trees. They've got to get the, you know, the branches to put in the cracks, all that kind of stuff. And here's the thing. I think that show for me is kind of a metaphor for the lives that all of us live. It's just in this environment things are kind of put on the front burner where we can kind of hide from it a little bit more. Here's a way to think about it. They're fighting battle on two fronts on this show. The first is the world outside, right? It's the world they can't control on the outside. They can't control the weather. They can't control when the fish are biting. They can't control, uh, you know, the seasons. They can't control any of that. When mice come into their, you know, tent, all that kind of, they can't control any of that. They're fighting the battle with the world outside 
But if you've seen the show, often the real battle is the battle in the world inside. The fears and the isolation and Every single person that lasts any length of time has to face their inner demons and come to some sense of peace with themselves. It's a battle. And again, it's a battle we face every single day. One of the things that really turns the show, it's kind of interesting, is all of them are given a tarp and and a first aid kit and several things or whatever. But they all get a chance to choose 10 items of optional gear. Here's some examples of some of them. The little stick down at the bottom is called a ferro rod. It actually helps light a fire. Every contestant that has won brought that, so I think I'd be bringing that one, an axe and all that. If you're like me, I would say, man, I'm going to bring like a satellite phone and Domino's number, but there's certain like, <laughs> there's certain restrictions. You can't bring a gun and that kind of stuff. You can bring a bow and arrow, slingshot, all that. There was an interesting wrinkle. I've only gotten to season five. I don't know if they do it again, but there was an interesting wrinkle on season four where they decided not just to have one person, but you can see the picture of this, they would have partners. It was really powerful because there was a father and a son and there were brothers on there. And yes, Sean, ready for your marriage ministry, there was a a husband and a wife that were out there for uh, 39 days, I think. Now, here's the thing I experienced, especially in that season there. They talked about, we brought all this gear, they're given gear and that stuff, but almost every one of them said, the most important tool that we had was the other person. And I was thinking about that, man, how, again, this metaphor works for what we're trying to do. Why is the series on the Holy Spirit so important to us? Because I believe this series on the Holy Spirit is speaking to this battle that we all face day in and day out. We woke up in a world where we're fighting the world on the outside and we're fighting this world on the inside. And the most powerful thing that we can experience is another person, right? The God we worship has been revealed throughout Christian history. There is one God, but there is God in one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, if you want to really engage the battle of the world outside you can't control, and sometimes the stuff inside you can't control, I really, Jesus says, want you to get introduced to this other person. It's more powerful than any tool that you will have, any book, any resource, or anything else. It is the person of the Holy Spirit that will help us get through these times. And Jesus is speaking to them in these moments of their discomfort and their dis-ease and he's speaking words of comfort to them but I want you to understand that's not where he starts we're picking up the conversation kind of as he's gotten into it so let's go back to where he starts and as he starts this conversation you need to understand the background of it when he's talking to the disciples what what ends up being these nice comforting words start actually with something that was for them an alone moment when Jesus was talking to them, it felt like they just got dropped off the helicopter or the boat and, and, and everybody's leaving. Uh, <clears throat> here's what I mean. We're in chapter 14, but he begins the conversation in chapter 13. And before he starts talking about his new command, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Love is not a new command, but the as I have loved you is a new part. And then he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and that's wonderful. Before he gets to that, though, he says these words, and it's the background, a backdrop of everything he's saying. Remember, the night before he dies, he says to them in chapter 13, verse 33, this. He said, I'm going away, and where I'm going you cannot come. Do you get what they're feeling in this moment? I'm going away, and where I'm going, you cannot come. It feels to them like they just got dropped off the helicopter, and it goes away, and they're standing there in isolation for the first time. 
In fact, like I said, Jesus goes on to say some of this incredible stuff about love and the Holy Spirit and all of that. And if you go read in chapter 13, they're only hearing the first thing he said. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. You said you're going away and we can't come. What's going on? Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. And that's what they're preoccupied with. It feels like an alone moment to them. Why so? Especially to them. For a moment, I just want you to think about what the last three years have been like for these guys. For the last three years, they had gotten accustomed to the very real, close, near presence of Jesus. In every circumstance of life. Let's just think of a few different examples, but it's in every circumstance of life. What is it like to be walking and going through your life and your day, and when you fail, Jesus is right there in the moments of failure? Right? I think about Peter, right? We've heard the story before. Peter, Jesus' closest follower and one of his closest friends, and, and he denies even knowing who Jesus is, calling down curses from heaven and all of that. And it says in the Gospels that when he did that, he turned at the moment and he saw Jesus looking at him. Now, we might hear that as a moment of shame, and it sure probably was for him, but it's also a moment of companionship because even in his failure, Jesus at least was there, and he's looking at him. Or I think about the times in our life, have you had times in your life when you're confused and you've got a lot of questions and you don't have any answers for your questions? Can you imagine how amazing it must have been? You're just kind of doing life and you can just like turn next to you and say, Jesus, what did you mean by this? And what's the next thing to do? You ask him a question and he's right there. He'll answer you. Again, there's a thousand examples of this, but I think of one of his most famous sermons, We know it is the parable of the sower, and Jesus tells a story about how God works and plants his life and word in the world like a farmer does in different soils. And he tells that story to a whole crowd of people, and and maybe you grew up hearing that, and you kind of think you've got your uh, mind around, you've got a handle on it, but the first time he said it, people didn't understand it. He just told the parable of the soils. And it says in Matthew and Mark that the disciples came up, and they asked him a question. They said, Jesus, what did you mean? And they got the explanation for the parable of the sower. And the reason we have the explanation of the parable of the sower in the Bible is because they asked the question, and Jesus was right there, and he answered it. Wouldn't that be amazing? You got a question, you just look at him, and you say, Jesus, would you answer my question? Again, there's all sorts of circumstances. The other one that comes to my mind is, what about those times of great joy and accomplishment when life is the way it's intended to be? How amazing would it be to live in those moments and you turn next to you and Jesus is there with a big smile on his face and he's celebrating your achievements and God's work through you. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think about Luke chapter 10 where Jesus sends them out on what scholars call the limited commission. You have the great commission, go to all the world at the end of the gospels, but in the middle of the gospels, he sends them only to Israel and to towns where he was about to visit and they went out two by two. And for the first time in their lives, they go out and they heal people and they preach and they see the power of the Lord and all this stuff happens. Like demons go out of people in their name. And and can you imagine how amazing that would be to have that power working through you? And it says they came back and they reported to Jesus everything that happened and he celebrated with them. Luke chapter 10 verse 21 is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. I just love this picture of Jesus. It says, Jesus, and I quote, full of joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise God and bless them. How cool would that be at your best moment that Jesus is full of joy in the Holy Spirit over what God had done in your life? Wouldn't that be amazing? 
And so when Jesus says, I'm going away and you can't come with me, can't you see now why it feels like an alone moment to them? It sounds to them like Jesus is saying, I'm dropping you off. Here's a couple tools for the journey. Go have fun with it and I'll come back in a while whenever you want to tap out. And that would have been really difficult. I don't know when your alone moments hit. One of the times where maybe, maybe for you, you're in a season where it's the world outside and there's circumstances or other people's lives or decisions or choices or whatever's going on and it's just hitting you. Or maybe you're like me and I just the voices inside of judgment and condemnation or whatever the case may be or confusion. Maybe it's the world inside that eats at you. I don't know what it is. But what do you do in those alone moments? Here's what I love. Before we even get into the story, it just reminds me again, the Bible is for you and me. Because here are the earliest followers of Jesus, some of the writers of Scripture, and they're starting with this kind of alone moment. And they need Jesus to speak into those times of their lives, just like we do too. And that's exactly what he does. Now we're going to look at the promise of Jesus in a moment, but before we get there, I just want to ask a question. Because when I approach this text, I can identify with their feelings of aloneness and the battle with the world in and out. But one thing sometimes, I'm just being honest with you, I have a harder time connecting that with them about is this feeling of loss. Because they've been really close to Jesus, and then all of a sudden they're not. So here's the way I want to ask it. I just, I just wonder sometimes if we have become comfortable with the distance. Just think about this for a moment. Have, have we become comfortable with this distance between us and Jesus? They weren't comfortable with it because they've been walking with him day in and day out and looking at him day in and day out for three years. But what about us? We have a couple ways that we feel this way. There's a historical distance, right? 2,000 years have elapsed since Jesus was physically walking in his body on planet earth and sometimes I feel that distance and, and they didn't feel that as much because they were right there with him and, and sometimes I kind of I kind of feel that and then it creeps in my mind to think I wonder just being honest I wonder if I'm sometimes more comfortable with that because here's the thing, if Jesus isn't physically walking right next to me, then, then it's sometimes a little bit easier for me to read stories about Jesus and to study things about Jesus than it is to actually encounter Jesus. Does that make sense? Because when Jesus comes, for example, in those moments of failure, he does come in comfort, but he also challenges us to grow. And sometimes, honestly, it's easier not to grow. But Jesus shows up and deals with the questions in my life. Honestly, if Jesus were here, I know that sometimes Jesus answers my questions. I know sometimes in the Bible Jesus brought about more questions, did he not? He, he would do things that people didn't understand. He would provoke questions and not just answer them. And so I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes it might be easier just to study Jesus and not hang out with him. <laughs> Even in the joyful moments, you remember the joy moment, came on the heels of him sending them out, and I quote, like sheep among wolves on a mission. And it might be easy for me to just kind of live my life on my own mission and not on Jesus' mission, and I may miss out on some of those joy with Jesus moments, but it may be easier. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's easier just to, I don't know, go to church and sing about Jesus and hear stories about Jesus than it would be to actually walk next to Jesus. And encounter him. Because he tends to stir things up a little bit when he comes. There's that historical distance. There's the distance of circumstance too. 
if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes it feels like God isn't really present. Sometimes it feels like he's not that close. In fact, the way that we even think about church sometimes, I remember years ago, Rick Ashley was talking, I think it was a message in the book of Acts. And he was talking about, if you just read through the book of Acts sometimes, just read through it. As I've said before, we call it the Acts of the Apostles, terrible title. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Just go read through the book. Holy Spirit's always doing something weird or different and empowering them. You know, they pray a prayer in church. Can you imagine this? Pray a prayer. And the place shakes. Like, God shows up and answers the prayer. <laughs> and God calls out, you know, Paul and Barnabas and sends them on a mission. And he does this. As Paul is, is going and doing his work, like, there's some places he goes and it, God opens the door and tells him to go here. There's some places that twice it says the Holy, Holy Spirit forbade us from going to this area. So sometimes the Holy Spirit said, go here, and sometimes the Holy Spirit said, don't, and they're empowering them, and they're sending them, and they're doing all sorts of stuff. Here's the thing. Actually said, go read through the book of Acts sometime, and if you're like me, sometimes I read through that book, and it sounds really abnormal. It sounds like weird church or something, or like, oh, isn't it cool back in the day when they did that? Here's what he said I'll never forget. He said, is it possible that we've just taken what is abnormal and we've made it normal? Like, it's normal not to experience the Holy Spirit. We've made it that way. Like, if you read the book of Acts, really what's going on in the book of Acts, it looks like what the world would look like if Jesus fulfilled the promise he makes in this Holy Spirit series. <laughs> if he said, I'm actually going to show up and I'm going to guide you, empower you, and lead you, it would look like, I don't know, the book of Acts. And is it possible that for me, I've gotten so comfortable with the distance in time and space and Jesus not challenging me, I just assume it's normal to just, I don't know, just do church and show up to church and the Holy Spirit can come and go or not. No, the Holy Spirit longs to lead God's people. Does that make sense? Have we become too comfortable with the distance? And part of, part of what I want to surrender as I come to the series and just study the text every time is, God, what do you want to awaken in me? I've just gotten used to the fact that you're not around. That's exactly not what Jesus said. I am present. In fact, that's, that's the punchline of the promise, right? That's the punchline of everything he's saying here. Are you ready for this? He said, yes, I'm leaving, but follow me on this. He said, I'm leaving in order to increase the presence with you and not decrease it. Can we get this? He said, I'm going away, but the point of me going away is that I will be more present, not less than what you've been experiencing in all of those ways in the last three years. Can we just take that in? Now, we'll study this more when we get to that text, but I just want to remind you of something Jesus will say in John chapter 16, just a little while in this farewell discourse. In verse 7, this is what he says. He says about four or five times, I'm going away, I'm going away, going away. Right after this, he says, I'm going away and I'm coming back. More on that in a moment. But in verse uh, 7 of John 16, this is what he says. I'm going away and it is for your good that I do. He said, it's better for you if I go away, because when I go away, in verse 8, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. This other person is going to be present with you. Listen to me, take it in. Jesus said, it will be better for you that the Holy Spirit is here with you than when I walked with you day in and day out for three years. And I can't tell you how many times as I've studied this series and the text in the series, I have to keep coming back and saying to myself and to all of us, do you believe what Jesus just said? Because sometimes I struggle. Do I really believe it? 
Again, just being confessional with you, it doesn't seem that that's true. It seems to me that it would be better to physically walk around with him. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is Jesus touching the leper. And and I I just want to say, wouldn't it be better if Jesus reached out and like touched me sometimes when I was broken and needed healing? Wouldn't it be better if I could just look over and see the smile on his face and the joy when I go in his direction? My middle name's Thomas. I live up to that sometime. Wouldn't it be cool to be able to say, all right, Jesus, sometimes I struggle with doubt, so I want to see and touch your hands and your side. Wouldn't that be better? And Jesus says, no. Now, how in the world is it better that he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes than if we were walking around with him? I mean, first of all, we can just read the Gospels, by the way, and there were all sorts of people that saw him and talked to him, and they blew him off. So we know, even though in our hearts we would say, I would follow you better, Jesus, if I could physically see you, we know better. Let's put that one aside. A couple things that come to mind. All those things I say would be wonderful, that's true, but only if I lived in first century Palestine and only if I were one of the twelve or the leper in that moment. This is just the one that popped in my head this week as I was writing on this. The guy that we know as Legion, formerly known as Legion, was a guy that was possessed by a bunch of demons and all of that and Jesus comes and he casts the demons out and it says in the book of Mark he wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus said no go back home and talk to your family now that sounds cool go be a missionary but Jesus got on a boat and left him now it's cool for Peter and Andrew James and John but it ain't cool for the dude that used to be legion because Jesus isn't there or what about all the people in in time and space, they go into that hospital room alone, or they go into that moment alone, or go into that moment of failure alone, and Jesus isn't there. I mean, it worked really well for the people that were physically there in the first century, but what about us now? You realize Jesus said, I'm going so that I will no longer be bound by time and space and this circumstance. I will be with everyone everywhere. That's what Judas, not Iscariot, as he says in the Bible, asked. Jesus, why are you showing yourself to us but not to the world? He came back and said, I am. Because anyone who chooses to embrace the love of God will have this Holy Spirit and I will come in and have my home with them. Isn't that powerful? Anybody can experience what the disciples experienced for those three years. That's a powerful promise. And my friend Charles taught me something a few weeks ago as we were reading through some of these passages. What is different and better about right now with the presence of the Holy Spirit than it was with them and Jesus. And Charles said so beautifully, he said, look, what did Jesus say? You've been with me. You've been with the Holy Spirit, he actually said. You've already been with with the Holy Spirit, but now what's going to happen? He's not just going to be with you. What does it say? He's going to be in you. So what's changed between then and now? Like Jesus is walking around and he's like with us and he's close to us, but he said now, I love this language, Charles, you gave me, How much more intimate is it and personal is it that the Holy Spirit is not just on the outside, he is on the inside of me? That's powerful, isn't it? God is incredibly personal, and he'll be more personal, his presence will be more personal with us and more intimate with us when Jesus comes and has come in the presence of his Holy Spirit. Now again, I'm just telling you, I have to believe that on faith because there's still part of me that says it'd be better if I was physically around Hear the word of the Lord. It is better for you now with the gift of God's Holy Spirit than if you walked around with him on the streets of Nazareth. What a gift. 
It's incredibly personal. We'll end with this part of it, just this movement here to think about, really, this whole section will give us names of the Holy Spirit. It makes it personal. What is the name of the Holy Spirit here? The promise of the Holy Spirit is the promise of the paraclete. Paraclete is the Greek word uh, for what he says here. It's translated in the NIV as an advocate who helps you. All of that's their translation of this one word. If you have different translations, you'll see one of probably three. There's a bunch, but there's three major words that they use to try to translate it. I think it's the best to probably leave it untranslated, but let's look at the three words. And we'll talk about they kind of work and then they kind of don't, all right? So one of them is comforter. Comforter, that's great to think about. And we can look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that God does come and comfort us in our difficulties. But I don't know about you, I think about a comforter, I think about a big blanket that a dog sleeps on. And it's, isn't it sweet and cuddly? That's beautiful, but that's not the picture of the Holy Spirit here. In fact, anybody that, that knows music remotely well will get the ancient sense of the word comfort, fort, forte. What does forte mean in music? means loud or strong. And a comforter is someone that puts strong in you. And they would have ancient paintings in the Greek world of generals standing behind their armies, and it called them paintings of the comforter. Now, that's not my picture of a comforter, is it? And I promise you, they're not going around throwing blankets on them. I'm not picking on that. God will do that too. But that's not the picture of the Holy Spirit here. What he's doing is he's putting strength in them to go engage the battle of the world outside and the world inside. Isn't that powerful? He's strengthening us for the mission and the purpose of God. That works. Helper is another one. That's the way it's translated. The problem with that is it sounds like junior God, doesn't it? Or even junior to us. God is my helper. So he kind of tags along and honestly, when I hear the Holy Spirit as helper, I think Holy Spirit is my spiritual Alexa or Siri. Siri, make an appointment, right? Now, helper is a very strong word. The most commonly uh, uh, used uh, attribute of that word in the Old Testament is God. The Lord is my helper, my ever-present help in time of trouble. But uh, we kind of lose a little bit of it, right? Uh, The best one probably in English is the one that the NIV does, which is advocate. It's a legal term. It says the one who stands up for us in court, but even that kind of misses it. So I, I like paraclete because just what the word paraclete means is the one who walks beside. One who walks beside us. One who walks beside us. He's always there. Go back a, a few months. If you didn't hear the sermon that Brian preached, alongside, that's the picture, and he talked about this. Picture of the Holy Spirit of this one who walks of life. In fact, there's a word in here that's really important. And for us, again, I'm just praying the Holy Spirit helps me believe it, helps us believe what Jesus said. But he said, here's the gift I'm giving you. I'm going to give you, listen to this word, another paraclete. Another paraclete. What does that mean? They already have one. Who's the first paraclete? It's Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm leaving. Now we get what he means in verse 48 when he said, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. Yes, that means resurrection. Yes, it means second coming. But it means even before the second coming, I'm already coming back in the presence of the next paraclete, the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving, but I'm here. And he said, that's why he's able to say, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not dropping you off on the island. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm in you. My home is here. There is another paraclete. What does that mean, guys? That means for all of us, the same one that walked with them through their failures stands ready to walk with you through yours. He's right here. And he will comfort you and he will invite you to grow. And the same one, are you ready for this? 
The same one that answered their questions in his timing. And when he knew it was right, he answered their questions. Stands ready to answer your questions too. Ask him. He's here. And the same one that rejoiced and his face lit up in the moments that they got it right and they stepped into the joyful moments is in your life now. In fact, that's part of his fruit. Love, joy. It's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He's here. The same paraclete that walked with him in the physical is walking with us in the spiritual. The question is, do we believe it or embrace it or not? In fact, he said it's even more powerful. A couple of ways to think about this quickly. First of all, what did he say right after he freaked him out and said he was leaving? He said, a new command I give you, love people as what? I have loved you. How easy is that to do? He's turning up the ante on what love is. And then he says this staggering thing right after this. He said, I've done great things, but guess what? You, are you ready for this? You will do greater things than these. What? Now, it's not because you're greater than Jesus. It's because the next prayer cleat is going to walk with you and it's going to continue the mission of God. And the astounding wonders and works and things that God did are still available for the people of God today. He's going to tell you, and I tell you, we want to make weird, strange things. We're going to rush to spiritual gifts and all that. There's a place for that, fine. But here's the, the most difficult thing that the Holy Spirit enables us to do is to follow the command to love one another. That's the biggest thing the Holy Spirit's going to do is empower us to love the people in our lives. By the way, I was thinking this week, um, we've had a tool every week. I didn't plan that, but we had a tool every week that was an image. And I wasn't going to do one this week. I really wasn't. And I was kind of making a joke with Kyler, like, if I were going to do a tool this week, what would it be? And doggone it, I thought about it, and it actually really worked. So I kind of want to give you this image and story, and we'll be done. But Like I said, I started making a joke, and then doggone, the more I thought about it, it worked. Does anybody know what this is? Can you say it loud and proud. What is this? It's called a come-along. Isn't that awesome? I thought if there was going to be a tool that works with this pastor of the Holy Spirit, it would be a come-along side of, right? But here, the more I thought about it, like, this isn't just a goofy joke. It really works. In fact, it's even better than the first one because we started this series, if you weren't here, with the ridiculous attempt of me to kind of pound fence posts in with a hatchet, which, listen to me, worked. It's really hard. And then there was this beautiful tool for that, you know, the, the post driver. But here's the difference between the post driver and that. I was able to do it with a hatchet. You follow me on this? This is really, this is really a good image. Because what this allows people to do is what would be impossible otherwise. Here are a couple of pictures of the kind of things that uh, come on can do. Put that up there. You can, you, they have ones, there's videos of it pulling stumps out of the ground. I don't know about you, but I can't pick a stump and rip it out of the earth. They can do that. They can pick up all these boxes. They can pick up wood. They can do stuff. And they can, yes, pull cars. I can't do that. But think about this. Jesus says, I'm going to send the walk alongsider, the come along. He's going to be in your life. Listen, to empower you to do what you're not able to do otherwise. Good luck being married and loving that other person the way Christ loved the church. Good luck doing that. Unless the paraclete comes aside and empowers you to do it. Good luck loving your kids. Good luck loving each other. Good luck being in a hundred-year-old church and keeping harmony and peace together. But you know what? We can do it if the one who comes along empowers us to do the impossible. Good luck loving a crazy world. The Holy Spirit allows us to do that. Isn't that amazing? 
So I end with this. I, I was going to share this story last week, share it in first service, but I'm going to get you this um, this week. I want to tell you quickly about a friend of mine named Jamie. Jamie was a police officer for a long time. Now he, uh, he really worked just kind of helping people understand their identity in Christ, and he's a master at doing this even if you don't believe in God or anything. So he, he taught some of us when we were in Tennessee some of the approaches to literally to pray with people without using the word prayer. It's really cool. Um, but what I love about his story is he is a man, he's not kooky or weird, but he's a man who follows the lead of the Holy Spirit of God. And, and it started when he was a police officer. Years ago, he was a police officer, and he actually dared to ask this question. He said, is it possible to be a spirit-filled police officer? Not just like, I'm, I'm heaven-bound or whatever, but to like, this is the way he asked it. I remember the first time he told the story, he said, he was praying to God, and he was like, God, do you help police officers be a better police officer? Do you like help cops be cops? And he started praying. And here's one of the things I love about him. And this is what I'm, I'm praying that we do in this series. Like, not just hear cool things about the Holy Spirit, but like be expectant about it. So he prayed, God, will you help a cop be a cop? And you know what he did? He got a notebook and a pen and he put it in his car. And one of the prayers he said he started praying is, God, can you give me new ways to solve crimes? Because our old ways aren't working. They're dividing the community. It's not, it's not working. And he prayed it and he expected the come alongsiding one to answer his question. And so he put a notebook in the car. I'll give you just one example. There's amazing examples I've heard in his life. But one of his examples, he said he was working gang violence one time. He said, God, what would you do? And he said, I often knew it was God's response. Like, how do you know when God's speaking? Because God will speak. How do you know? Because usually it's a little bit crazy and biblical. And so this is what it was. Like, this sense came up inside of him. What did Jesus do with the Pharisees and those who opposed him? He ate with them. Hospitality. So he got this sense in his spirit that the Lord was saying, <laughs> you ready for this? Invite the gang leader over to your house this weekend. I don't know if God told his wife this or not, but that's what he got. And he did it. And over the course of time, showing hospitality and grace and kindness... The Lord reached that gang leader. Now, guess, guess what happened? The gang leader went back into that gang. He went back into it. And who is it that brought transformation into the inner city gang? It wasn't Jamie. It wasn't the cop. It was the former gang leader who was now walking with a paraclete who said, I'm going to help a gang leader change the world. Isn't that awesome? Now, here's what's really awesome about it. Washington, D.C. took notice that this dude is down I think it was Texas, but I don't know. He was like solving all these crazy crimes. And they're like, what is going on with this dude? So they sent, I love this. It's like when the doctor asked, how did you get better? So they sent this guy down to check him out and said, he's got like a stack of files on his desk. And he said, how are you solving all these crimes? And I love it. Jamie said, you won't like it if I tell you. <laughs> and he told him, I asked God for better ways to solve crimes. And he gives them to me. And the guy said, you're right. I don't like that. But they hired him. I think it was with the CIA. Guess what they had him do? He did this for years. They sent him to the Middle East to infiltrate militant Islamic groups to bring peace. And you ought to hear the stories of what the Lord led him to do in those places. By the way, guess what he would do? He would take militant Islamic leaders, teach them to hear the voice of God. And when they did, and they gave their life to Jesus Christ, he did not say, go start a new church. What he said was, go back into your mosque. Did you know to this day, 
I did not know this until a few weeks ago. There are over a thousand Taliban Christians who are quietly, some of them dying, but some of them bringing the life and the light of Jesus Christ into their world. Can the Holy Spirit help cops be cops and CIA folks be CIA folks? If he can do it there, Jesus said it'll be better if I come personally into your life. Does he help students be better students? Does he help teachers be better teachers? Does he help husbands and fathers be better husbands and fathers? Wives and mothers. Wow. But why are we astounded? Because Jesus said, I don't know, that ought to be normal. Father God, our prayer is that we open ourselves up completely to the gift of the one who is the present one. He is the present because he is the gift, but he is the present one who is right here with us. Thank you, Jesus, for not leaving us alone. And thank you for being patient with us. Lord, I've come to believe you've been working in my life my whole life. I just didn't always know it was you. It's not like some people have and some people don't. Father, if we're in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, and he's been here the whole time. It's just we didn't know who it was. So I pray that we, we learn from my friend Jamie and, most importantly, from our Savior and friend and Lord Jesus to be expectant that your Holy Spirit will lead us into the mission of our lives this week. We pray for that, and we pray all of it for the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen.